You are listening to Teeny Talks with your host, coach expert, Teeny Fazila. This podcast is brought to you by The Coach Partnership, world-class leadership development, coaching, and coach certification. Hi, everyone. Welcome to my podcast. I'm Tini Fadzilla, your host. I've been in the coaching industry for more than 25 years, and our team has worked with thousands of individuals, leaders, and coaches globally to create impact through powerful conversations. The intent of these podcasts is to support you to design the life that you are compelled by. I can't wait to introduce you to my friends from the industry, share our insights and stories that will inspire you to take the baton and run. Let's get started. Okay, welcome back to episode two. The topic is love. We spoke about this in our last episode, so if you missed it, you have to go back and listen because we covered a segment of love. We will continue talking about love or lack of it in our vocations and our work and the common thread, which is ourselves, and taking a look at how we are navigating these two very um, critical areas in our lives. Uh, Just so you guys know, in the last episode, what we spoke about is what gets in the way as learned, the lessons learned through our romantic relationships. Today, we're going to jump into vocation and work and how we are effectively or not so effectively navigating this. All right. So enough from me, Carol, over to you. Well, I in our last episode, I mentioned a book by my favorite poet, David White, called The Three Marriages. And what I took away from that book is that, you know, I've been married a long time. I've been married, it'll be 41 years this year. So being, that for me is a marriage, 41 years and, 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 and working at being well married. What I never considered until reading that book was that my vocation or career was also a marriage. And it was a marriage because I have a very strong commitment to the work that I do. And I've been a coach for 20 some years. And I. David White uses the word vow, but I would, I, I probably, it's a pretty old word for me, but the idea of that I am committing to a vocation and a vocation is what I do that serves outside of me, serves some part of the world. My tribe is the not good enough exhausted, overwhelmed strivers. That's, that's who I wrote my book for. And I care about that tribe of people because I'm a member of that tribe and striving to be satisfied, happy, joyful has been a very long journey. 
a job, you work for a period of time and you change jobs over time as you develop your vocation, as you develop your, uh, some people call it a career. And what I also found interesting in the book, The Three Marriages, was how my marriage with my husband competed with my relationship with myself that competed with my career. When I was striving in my career and getting promotions and working 60, 70 hours a week, my relationship suffered. And I had no time for working with myself. I was just exhausted, overwhelmed, and on this treadmill of pleasing. I was I was a dyed-in-the-wool pleaser. And so I always said yes to projects. Yes, 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 yes. What an interesting example um, of recognizing in the last episode for, for just a little bit of background is we talked about narratives, stories that we've created that keep us stuck in a certain, in a certain loop. And so as I was listening to you, Carol, it was very interesting that you said I was just exhausted and I never had time to look at myself. And so that's an interesting snapshot um, of what's the narrative that's had you get stuck there in that loop on that treadmill and what got you out of it? It's a very popular narrative for businesses. Mm. They want people who will say yes and keep saying yes. Mm. And I remember my boss uh, at uh, Newfield USA, uh, I was waiting for her to stop asking me to do projects. And when I finally had the courage to say something to her, she said, but Carol, you're the one that's saying yes. How am I supposed to guess what that you're overworked? And, and my thing, because I is in my book, you'll read about uh, uh, I'm a recovering resenter. In my book, what a resenter does is blames everybody. I blamed everybody else for me saying yes. So the world outside was my was my problem, but I never pointed the problem at myself. So that's when coaching was so helpful to me is I began to point. I really began to question who I was being why I was being there. And my savior was I, I happened to be in a coach training program at the time. And those are all the conversations that you don't just start being a coach. You go through a whole process of personal transformation before you start coaching. So, and that's, and that I, that's exactly how we organize our coach training where the first half you learn about yourself, second half, uh, you learn how to coach. Um, if I just rewind back, there's so many things that, that you're saying that's really uh, triggering thoughts for me. If I go back to one of the original conversations in today um, of vocation and career, 
And how you defined it was for yourself, vocation was this idea of the capacity to serve. One of the questions I have or the thoughts that I have is vocation sounds to me like I have a commitment on who I want to be on the planet and I live my life um, developing that commitment. Career maybe is something that I do. So I could change jobs. But 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 my passion, what, what I'm compelled by, shows up in all of these different things that I do. So there's that distinction between who I am yes. and what I do. Would that be an accurate distinction yes. between? That, the- for, I, that really fits for me. And there's a joke in I I have a number of friends who are aspiring actors. They call themselves actors because it's their passion. Right. And a number of them have never been paid for acting. They're waiters and waitresses, or one of them is my hairdresser. And and so a vocation, like you said, comes from the inside. And for me, I was lucky enough to accident upon a career and working for a number of companies that satisfied my vocation like there was a marriage there between who I am on the inside and what I want to bring to the world and oh my goodness I found a profession called coaching I was I was a consultant beforehand and I was a teacher before that so I'm always in this mode since I was a little girl of contributing and teaching and consulting and coaching, that's that for me was the marriage of my vocation with my, and it, my work is only a career in, in my view is only a career. If you spend 10, 15, 20, 30 years at developing your craft in that work, not bouncing from careers to careers. You know, I was a ski instructor. I was a uh, store manager. You know, I had a lot of jobs, but it wasn't until I found coaching that I actually um, would say that I discovered my vocation. Wow. Even though I've been practicing my vocation according to my mom, since I was in the third grade. Right, right, right. Uh, just just for you to bring it, articulate it all together. So therefore, what is it about coaching that you love? There's a phrase I use, it's called the uh, coaching is a gift that keeps on giving. Mm-hmm. Even though I am giving, to my clients and giving in an energy that allows them to energy and the way I go about it, that allows them to look inside themselves and assess their progress, assess whether or not they're close to their dreams, et cetera, et cetera. So my skill is being able to somehow create that reflection. 
in the process of doing that, I can't help but doing the same thing for myself. When I developed this idea of emotional agility, when I was researching my book, I, the first thing for me to see was how the lack of emotional agility, I was, I was pretty much a resentful person uh, committed to looking good and blaming other people when I didn't. That was kind of my narrative, my story, et cetera. When I discovered that other people knew, like my bosses knew I was a resentful person, I was mortified. And from that moment, committed to being known for a different mood. And that took me a number of years to, I had, I went to all the books on emotions at the time. Everyone, uh, explained what was going on, but no one had yet to write the, how the heck do I leave resentment as a fundamental place? I had no clue. I'd been resentful for maybe 15, 20 years. I was really good at it, which by the way, my skill at resentment is why resentful people feel safe with me as their coach. Because I know the game. Well, I would, I would, I would push on that because I think people, whether resentful or not, feel safe because there's something you bring to a conversation that makes it safe for people to go to uncharted territory. And I think it's because I've been playing the game of uncharted territory for many, many years now. Yeah, there you go. Very comfortable there. I'm not a judger but I do make assessments and then those assessments and my client's assessment marry into a goal of some sort. So, so fascinating. Um, I have a thought. Um, We may not go too deep, but we will in future episodes, this idea of love. And if we bring it into the corporate domain, Mm -hmm. the role of love and leadership the role of love or passion and leaders. Do any thoughts around um, how you see that that can be navigated effectively in a corporate space? I think I would probably equate being loved in a work situation with feeling safe, mm. respected, trust. You know, I think it's the job of a leader to create a safe place and 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 for me personally a safe what is my two top values are to be liked and respected and if i'm not liked enough to be respected i could even do without being liked but respected is like number 1 and i will say yes to most anything that I have time for if it comes from someone who respects me. Interesting. I am safe there. I can play. I can say yes, no, I can. It's like, it's like they know I'm on their team. Exactly. Right. Um, On your faculty. Right. Get that consistently 
and have over the 10 or 11, 12 years, I've been, I call it playing with you guys because there has been that, that wonderful give and take and learning and playing and laughing. Yeah. That yeah. for me didn't get in a lot of my career. I mean, that it, that happened after I was 40 in my career. And it creates such a, a productive mood, oh. right? Um, yeah. the, the other thought, because I do a lot of work with leaders in organizations is, um, again, we're not going to jump deep into this, but just to throw it out as food for thought for the, for the listeners is this idea of leaders. Yes, I love my job, but then there's also this idea of I love my team. And what does that look like? Yeah. Right. Can I love my team and be a tough boss? Can I love my team um, and not be best friends? Um, can I can I be can I be leading a team and be really committed to all you know ten of them because of what we stand for? Right. So it's really interesting the different gradients of how love can show up. Yeah. Yeah. In the workplace, right? And if you never speak that mm. to them, if you assume it's obvious I respect you. And me, it's like anyone with any degree of not good enough or worry about performance anxiety, that sort of stuff, will never hear unspoken respect. They may not even be able to hear spoken respect, given how far down the rabbit hole. So I think leadership, it, I think my most favorite teams to work with is when the mission was clear, that everybody was playing their part, that making mistakes were not, mistakes were not punished. Like when I was an executive, one company, their whole game was every mistake was a public announcement to all employees about it was a shaming exercise. And the CEO of that organization thought shaming was how you motivated people. That was their narrative, their story, et cetera. Right. Did flourish with that person could hardly wait to get out of the company couldn't afford to get out of the company for a couple of years so i mm -hmm. stayed inside a very toxic relationship wow. and so i, I think a, a leader should pay a whole lot of, of attention to the satisfaction of their employees, understanding that there are many of their employees have families. So we got love of relationship and work and career and your vocation sometimes conflict with the family. And if you go against your own good sense, yourself suffers. And so it's this, those three marriages of, of, it's like it's a dance. They conflict with each other and why you can get away with being grumpy one day 
is that as a general rule, your mood with your team is great respect and gratitude. That's kind of who you are in, in my experience of you as a leader is that there's a great deal of respect and gratitude for efforts. And you have a bank account of mistakes for me. It's like you have a credit in my account with you. And you need to create this, right? So interesting. This topic, I, I think, you know, we could talk about it forever. It's so intriguing for me personally. It's one of my passion, passion topics, love, of course, and also just leadership and driving performance. And how do you merge the two? They, they're not, they don't exist in silos. In my world, they exist as partners. So oh, let's not forget we're dealing with human beings here. Exactly. Not robots, not machines. Right. So, Carol, thank you so much. And for the viewers, we just, we're just we just scratching the surface here. So here's, as we've said, these conversations are really designed to delve deep into some universal topics that our hope is that it contributes to you. And as you design um, your lives, that you create a future, again, that is so compelling for you. Um, and so- maybe... Maybe I'm going to interrupt you. My apologies. I'm not going to apologize. No, because we play. Um, If if some of the listeners or viewers have questions or topics that they'd really like us and you to delve into, I'm making this up, but I would imagine that we would welcome that. Oh, absolutely. I welcome that. Yeah. Oh, absolutely. We are, we love exploration. We, and we love contribution. And, and as we've been speaking about vocation and careers, um, certainly my commitment and the team I work with, our commitment is to have people, as I've mentioned, design a future that is compelling for you. So in the heart of love, the mm-hmm. ball is in your court to create the change you want to see, to make the small shifts, to create what's compelling for you. Thank you guys. Thank you for joining us. Um, And we will see you in our next episode. Thank you for listening to Teeny Talks. Inspire change, one powerful conversation at a time.